0: guys welcome to the j scott outdoors podcast this episode is going to be with a good friend of mine dave martin and i've known dave for over 20 years and uh, we've been able to share some hunts together and uh, gone down to mexico and uh, shared some sheep hunts and they do a him and his friend reed Uh, workmen do a lot of sheep scouting with me and we just have had a a great friendship over the years and this is going to be a great episode talking to Dave about preparing for his hunts doing the rim to rim to rim which is the Grand Canyon uh, 47 miles uh, from one edge down to the bottom up to the other rim and then all the way back in one day talking about his prep for that talking about his long-range shooting. Uh, I believe it's called the Vortex Challenge. Um, He's shot in that the last uh, handful of years and's really learned a lot about uh, long-distance shooting. We're gonna talk to Dave about gear. We're gonna talk to him about uh, Unit 9 elk hunting in Arizona and uh, just a, a real wealth of information. Uh, I encourage you guys, listeners, for those of you people that are listening, uh in the maricopa county area and uh i use dave martin high country comfort uh he's my air conditioning contractor for all my air conditioning and heat uh he does my rental homes uh he does my dad's a property manager and uh, dave does all of his uh, rental homes he does my personal home takes care of my ac unit so uh Trust him. Uh, He's a phenomenal guy. I've known him for a long time. Uh, He's got a great staff. I encourage you to Give him a call at 480-649-5449, High Country Comfort, if you have any AC or, or heat problems. Uh, great company, great guy. It's going to be a great episode. Uh, also like to remind you guys that uh, the Western Hunter and Elk Hunter magazines, you uh, hear in these commercials on these podcasts, uh, they are doing a $1,500 credit through the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix. I've gotten a little bit more clarity uh, on the giveaway. $1,500 uh, Swarovski credit through the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix. Um, but all you have to do is go to westernhunter.net forward slash J Scott. That's lowercase J A Y S C O T T, all one word. All you have to do is go to that link or go to the website. Westernhunter.net forward slash jscott. Enter your email address. They're going to pick one winner. uh, July 15th, that person's going to get a $1,500 credit towards any Swarovski product at the Outdoorsman's. And uh, what a great opportunity. Uh, All you got to do is enter your email address. They've assured me that they're not selling your email address. Uh, They've assured me that they're not going to bombard you with a a bunch of stuff. They just uh, wanted to run a promotion for this podcast, and I appreciate their support, uh, their sponsorship of this podcast. And uh, if you guys go register, uh, your email address, you get a chance to be in the drawing for a $1,500 Swarovski uh, credit. And uh, who doesn't want another pair of Swarovski, whether it be a rifle scope or binoculars or spotting scope? Uh, phenomenal! Uh, I'm a I'm a, a Swarovski guy. I love Swarovski. I've used it for probably over 20 years since I bought my first pair of 10 by 42 SLC binoculars. I basically have uh, every single Swarovski product uh, and have had uh, every generation, and and I'm just a firm believer in in their products. So. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, the sponsors of this podcast. Uh, GoHunt.com Insider uh, is a phenomenal resource and tool. Their uh, their drawing odds on their filtering 2.0 system uh, is unprecedented, and uh, you know GoHunt.com Insider has been with me as a sponsor of this podcast from the beginning. And I greatly appreciate Lorenzo Sartini and his crew, Chris Porter and Brady Miller and all the guys over at GoHunt.com. Uh, they have done an unbelievable job of gathering data from all these different game and fish uh, organizations and uh, getting, you know, draw odds and harvest statistics and uh, moon cycles and all the different things that play into uh... different hunts that we're looking at across the west and uh... you know the thousands and thousands and thousands of of subscribers and uh... insider members uh... that are using this tool uh... i hear from a lot of them get great feedback um, covering the western states you know everything from colorado to new mexico to arizona to utah to montana to idaho to washington to oregon uh... you know it's an unbelievable uh tool um and when i've talked to lorenzo before on the podcast you know he's like jay it's just like the apple you know the apple iphone one and then number two and uh i know the guys over at gohunt.com have got some great things up their sleeve um and uh, it's exciting to be uh sponsored by a great company like them with has that has as much uh foresight and um you know with the electronic platform all of the great stories and articles and how to's and videos on gohunt.com uh the free portion of the website uh is is phenomenal and fantastic uh but then you become a gohunt insider member and uh the, the strategy uh application strategy articles and and some of the technicalities and you know the how to's and some of the, the the hunts that are a diamond in a rough uh, you know it's 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 an unbelievable resource. So I want to thank gohunt.com insider for their uh, sponsorship of this podcast and uh, remind you that if you go to sign up for gohunt.com insider use the J Scott promo code uh, you will automatically get a $50 Kuyu gift card uh, to use at Kuyu Uh, You guys know what a fan I am of Jason Harrison and and his company, Kuyu. So take advantage of that by using the J. Scott promo code. I'd like to thank the Outdoorsmans, uh, Cody and his staff in in Phoenix. Uh, They do a phenomenal job with the optic sales, with backpacks, with all the machined aluminum tripods. Uh, make sure to take advantage of your discount code. All the products over there at the Outdoorsman's, you get a ten percent discount using the J. Scott promo code. Wilderness Athlete uh, is another great company. They—they uh, they have, uh, you know, been around for a few years, and um, you know the feedback from their products. Uh, I, I was just using the Hydrate and Recover uh, product this morning after my workout out I'm trying to get ready for this elk hunt uh, in Utah and um, so I've been using the Wilderness Athlete hydrate and recover uh, every day I love it I uh, want to thank Western Hunter elk hunter magazines uh, and then Utah Hydrographics um, guys if you use the J. Scott promo code you can get things dipped over there at Utah Hydrographics anything from uh, you know rifle scopes to Um, you know, fenders on your uh, UTV, ATV, uh, you know, shotguns, uh, you name it. I mean, they can dip anything and uh, they do a great job. And then, of course, Phonescope, Uh, Phonescope Phonescope.com, Cheston Davis and his company uh, have revolutionized the uh, digiscoping with the phone and uh, some of the quality images that are coming in. Uh, off of some of these great cell phones uh, between the Samsung and the iPhone is uh, is is super high quality. And uh, the video and, you know, PhoneScope is just blown up. So I really appreciate uh, PhoneScope and their sponsorship of this podcast. Uh, we're going to get right to this episode with Dave Martin. Uh, before we do that, I want to thank you guys, the listeners, for all your support I'll ask you to follow along my Instagram account at Outdoors. if you're listening if you're on Instagram uh, please come find me uh, send me a direct message I want to know who you are and um, also I think all of you guys that are using the hashtag podcast, uh, the hashtag jscottoutdoors um, there's uh, it's gaining traction and uh, just appreciate all that support that you guys come and give me on Instagram and and all the comments and um, all the positive feedback also on my email uh, jscottoutdoors at gmail.com I get uh, multiple questions every day I try and answer them as soon as I can Uh, usually same day sometimes within you know five minutes of getting the message If you've got any questions or there's specifics that you want to hear on this podcast or people you want to hear, uh, please email me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. I also want to encourage you. I want to hear about your upcoming hunts. I want to know what you're you're preparing for. I want to know how you're preparing. Uh, So send me an email and um, we're all a brother. Uh, You know, we're all brothers here, hunting brothers and sportsmen and and um, it's exciting to be able to cheer for uh, our fellow uh, uh, sportsmen. Uh, we're all got hunts coming up this fall, and you know we're, we're just about to start seeing a bunch of velvet scouting photos, whether trail cam photos or high country photos, and uh, it's just a great time of year. Everybody's getting fired up. Everybody's shooting their bows, shooting their rifles, working on their loads, working on their packs, uh, trying to uh, cut down on their weight, and and, uh, you know, figure out the, the, the ultralight, the best way to go. Um, everybody's gear testing, so I want to hear about it. Uh, send me messages through Facebook at Outdoors, or on my Instagram or emails or text messages. And I uh, just thank you guys for all of your support. Let's get right to this episode here. Oh, one more thing. Uh, I want to remind you guys to go on my YouTube channel. And I believe I've had it up since 2008. Uh, there are a lot of great videos from everything from elk hunting to sheep hunting to mule deer, coos deer, turkey. A lot of how-to's, a lot of hunts, a lot of hunt stories, a lot of harvest shots. Uh, just just a, a a lot of great videos there. Uh, come find my YouTube channel and subscribe, and I just appreciate all of that support. Uh, let's get right to this episode uh, with Dave Martin, and uh, he's a wealth of knowledge. Let's get right to it. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today, we've got a really good friend of mine, Dave Martin, and I've known Dave for, man, it seems like going on maybe 20 years. I don't know exactly exactly. I think we met in Unit 3C up elk hunting maybe 20 years ago, um, maybe more. Uh, Dave is the owner and operator of uh, High Country AC and Heat. Um, And you can maybe correct me on the name of your company, Dave. I'm sorry.
1: High Country Comfort.
0: High Country Comfort. Dave uh, and his crew do all of the uh, my AC units and heat uh, needs for my rentals, for my personal house. Uh, Dave's been in the valley for a long, long time, and we're going to get into that, some of the details, but uh, I'm anxious to have Dave on the phone to talk hunting, and um, we, we've we shared some hunts together, and uh, we like to go out and scout for bighorn sheep, and we share the love of coos deer hunting and elk hunting and uh it's going to be great to have you on dave how you doing good good enjoying the weather Uh, i'm sure i'm i'm up here in colorado but i keep good track of how it's going down in phoenix um i actually have a wedding to go to this weekend and i noticed that the the temperatures are perfect for a guy in your in your business. The temps are supposed to hit 120, I believe, one or two days over the next seven days, and then kind of a consistent 117, 116 to 118 type of uh, high temps. Uh, what do you think about that?
1: I think it's good. In the air conditioning business, we call it Christmas in July. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dave, um, for the listeners out there, how long have you been in the A C business?
1: Um uh, virtually my whole working career. I started back uh about eighty, eighty one, doing air conditioning with the refrigeration school and eighty three and worked with my dad for a while and then started my own business in ninety three and got my contractor's license and started doing air conditioning and and loved it ever since. Some people think I did it on purpose because it blends really good with hunting. Because we're busy in the summer and not much, so it blends to some uh, good hunting.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's uh, funny uh, you and I talk uh, quite often throughout the the, the week, and uh, you know maybe once a week or so I'll 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 talk to you and. you never know where Dave's at. I mean, it could be nine o'clock at night and I'll call Dave and he'll be up on a roof somewhere. Or, you know, what part of the valley are you in today? And, you know, he's like, well, I was in Chandler. Now I'm in Scottsdale and now I'm in Glendale and now I'm in Phoenix. And it's, um, that's just kind of the life and times of, of an AC guy in Phoenix, right?
1: Yeah. We just got to do it when, when it's time, you know, when it's, uh, It's people. uh, People want to be cool, and uh, we're we're here to uh, provide that.
0: Dave, what can people out there listening do to maintain their AC units throughout the year um, so that uh, they'll they'll run smoother?
1: Um, Just like anything, just regular maintenance. You know, get them checked once a year, uh, change the filter once a month if you're using them. You know, uh, like here in the summertime or they run 24/7 for about 6 months out of the year, you ought to change them once a month. Just normal stuff like that and have, have some type of a pre- professional look at it and see, you know, and make sure everything's good to go and you know, and that's the, you know, best you can do just like a car, you know, just get it tuned up, make sure everything's working like it's supposed to be working.
0: Yeah, on um weeks like this where, you know, last week there were some days where it didn't even hit 100 or was hovering or you know, 98 to 100. Um uh, mm-hmm. What is the difference in call volume usually when those temps get up, you know, 115 plus in, in Phoenix?
1: Quite a bit. Like that weekend it was. I mean, we worked like 12 hours on Saturday and like eight hours on Sunday. You know, generally we, you know, do a few here and there. But when the temperatures get up, it's it's a full day's work and everybody wants to be cooled. And you got to cool them right away because you can't live in a house in the desert when it's 115 degrees and your unit's not working. So it, it has to be working. So we got we yeah. got to make it out there.
0: So you guys, um, are awfully busy in the summer, but, uh, you know, the rest of the time in Arizona, uh, the, 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 demand is not quite as high. So it, it, uh, fits well with your hunting schedule. Uh, as long as I've known you, you've gone up to unit nine, um, and, you know, had friends that have had tags, you've had your own tag, uh, unit nine up there by Tuesday on. And um, what is it about that place that uh, draws you there every year during elk season?
1: Uh, just a good place. I mean, years ago, I got to the point, it's, you know, it's hard to be an expert in every unit in the state, but in here in Arizona, and I decided I wanted a, a northern one and, and a, you know, mid-state one, you know, have one for elk, one for coos and just get to know them really good. And we just fell in love with that place. I mean, it's it's known for great elk and it's had great elk over the years, but, you know, more than anything, it's there, you know, right on the edge of the Grand Canyon and uh, just, you know, e- easy place, a lot of cedar country, easy to hunt. And we got a group of guys of probably, probably 10 guys in a group that just go every year. And, you know, we're just more than willing to help anybody that wants to let us help them because we just love being there and chasing them and, and being there that time of year.
0: What do you notice um, from when you first started going there to now? Um, do you think uh, a lot has changed? Uh, you know, what 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 have you noticed? Uh, you know, quality of bulls, quality of hunt. Um, is it better? Is it worse? What do you think?
1: Um, you know, I, 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 it's definitely changed in some ways. Uh, they've done different things. Unit nine used to be a open unit as far as travel you could go anywhere you wanted A few years ago they went to this travel management program and now you have to stick the roads and you can only go to retrieve game which is fine that's not a big deal but um as far as the unit uh, it's just kind of a pressure cooker it seems like it's like a other units that are you know have good game and everybody wants to be there uh everybody's there to um you know kill the biggest animal they can and and, uh, sometimes I get a little too caught up in it and, you know, a lot of times we go up there and we go up there for the enjoyment, the fun, the camaraderie of it. And, you know, I, I have great relationships with, you know, a bunch of different guides up there. Uh, I know everybody up there, uh, you know, get along with them fine. Cause we're, we're all up there to have fun and, and enjoy, uh, enjoy the hunt and enjoy the people. And, you know, I don't notice a lot. We've had a few problems over the years, you know, in different times, you know, but it, it, uh, it tends to, uh. You know, for the most part, just be a, a, a you know, this is a fun time. It's a great time to be in the mountains and a, and a great place, uh, you know, to be.
0: Yeah. Um, there was one particular time I remember you weren't involved, but I believe your son and one of his friends were involved, and it inc- included a ground blind, and maybe guys, they were sitting and some other guys showed up. Uh, do you mind sharing that story with me?
1: Um, yeah, it was, they were sitting a blind. And, uh, it was a popular water hole and I, uh, they wanted to sit it and I, and I, and I'd been by there and I'd seen someone else had the blind had been refreshing it and I said, well, if you guys want to sit there, you better get there early. And they went there at two o'clock in the afternoon and about four thirty, these other guys showed up and they, uh, kind of thought that that ought to be their place, even though it's on forest service land. And, uh, you know, didn't want to talk about it and it kind of ended in a little, fist fight and the game of fish coming and, and, and arresting those guys, you know, because on public land, it's public land. It's first come first serve. And, yeah. you know, that's the thing we run into over the years is that the professional type people, they, they, know the game, you know, you can talk to them and say, Hey, okay, you're here today. You know, we'll, we'll sit here tomorrow or whatever, you know, people talk about it. It's the, uh, some people just, uh, don't understand that aspect of it. And it's very few. Most people you run into are, are more than willing to, you know, talk and, and say, okay, you hunt here today, I'll hunt here tomorrow. If there's happens to be a popular hole, if there, if it's popular, sometimes we just stay away from them too. So, I mean, you have to learn how to in anything, get along with people. And, and, uh, apparently those people didn't want to get along too well and they picked on the wrong. 26-year-olds in a foxhole there and asked them to get out. And didn't turn out too well for them.
0: <laughs> that story circulated. It was I, Everybody was getting a kick out of that story for sure. Um, are you headed up this year? Do you have tags yourself, or um, how many tags will you have in camp this year?
1: No, I, I don't have any myself. Uh, a couple of my boys drew the late rifle bull tag in there, so we'll be there in late in November. Um, but we have some other friends that have drawn the uh, archery hunt. So we would definitely be up there and, and uh, hunting the archery hunt up there like we usually are and set our camp up and, and have a good time. And, you know, and, and we're good. I mean, if anybody wants, you know, help or talk or, you know, it's, it's not a standoff situation. We're we're all up there for fun and more than willing to help people and, you know, stop on the side of the road and talk to, to somebody and, you know, we're just up there to have a good time.
0: Yeah, it's always great to go by and see you guys at camp, and um, uh, I, I tend to show up around dinner time, so um, that that's usually good for three or four nights until they finally um, put the chain across and say, Jay can't come anymore at dinner time.
1: And you can't bring any broken vehicles in either.
0: pull in and it's dave's repair shop Uh, yeah yeah, we've had a few of those flat tire changing and all sorts of stuff um but yeah good times um uh, you know another thing that you do up there every year um that's right there close to unit nine is you do the rim to rim to rim um how many years have you done the rim to rim to rim and how did it start How, how did the first you know how did you first decide you wanted to do that and i'm talking about the grand canyon so maybe you can fill the listeners in on that
1: yeah the uh i've done it 16 times now we do it once a year we have a group of people we had 19 people do it rim to rim to rim this year and uh it's just something we do every year it uh started you know um you know back in the late 90s there 2000. Uh, me and the, two of my brothers, and we just decided to do it, heard about it, did it, and uh, you know just done it ever since we you know mainly because it helps someone you know it's such a big activity it helps you get in shape. I mean, you have virtually a gun to your head saying it's time for the canyon you know it's gonna, it's four months out or five months out, and it's time to get serious about your training, and it makes you get in shape every year and I, and then I do it you know just for my love of hunting to get in shape every year it forces me to do something to really uh you know take you into that next level of fitness on there so but it's it's got to the point where there's a lot of people that do it there's some people come and do it one time and then, and then they don't do it again but there's a pretty good core group of guys that uh, we have that uh, just do it every year it's just a a great uh, it's it's rim to rim it's we start on the south we go to the north turn around and come back to the south one day the goal is under twenty four hours it's roughly about forty seven miles and twenty two thousand feet in elevation changes you've got a lot, about eleven thousand down and eleven thousand ups so it's a it's a pretty good ordeal and it, it'll it'll test you physically and mentally and sometimes we just need that stuff in, in life you know i'm a big believer in you know you got to go back to basics once in a while we get in this easy lifestyle and cars and air conditioning and and zipping around and you know, it teaches you not, not just get in shape, but teaches you patience and, and a lot of other things It makes you dig down a little bit. So it's, it's, it's kind of a good event to uh, do, you know, and, and not that it's the only one we live in Arizona and we have the Grand Canyon right here and it works great for us. I'm sure there's other activities that people do around the country that, you know, um, you know, do the same thing, but, you know, we live here in Arizona and we might as well take advantage of the Grand Canyon. We have it right here and plus it's in unit nine and, and, you know, and it just, goes together with everything we do up there
0: yeah for sure it's like you feel like you're at home i know you do when you're up there um i i've got some questions um about the actual hike the rim to rim to rim from what i understand if you do the hike in less than 24 hours you do not need a permit for the park is that correct
1: yeah that's what they say right. any day any day activity does not require a permit now if you go and there's different phantom ranch and cottonwood and Down in the bottom. If you go and spend the night, then you have to, you know, put in ahead of time, get permits to uh, spend the night in there. But if you do it in one any activity in the canyon in one day, you don't need a permit.
0: And um, what time do you guys typically start? And I assume you're going down with headlamps, uh, and kind of walk me through how the start of that process is going down.
1: Yeah, we start uh, we start at midnight um just so we can get out at a decent time um you know get back to the hotels get a little dinner and stuff like that so we start at three but you know if you're having a tough day it puts you out a little late so we started at midnight and uh we just all meet at the trailhead and take a few pictures of everybody that's there this year and then we we head down the trail and and think about the canyon Uh, the new people you can kind of tell they take off and they start running down and and the uh, the more experienced ones, you know, start out at their pace and and go. And, and you know, it's a it's a learning experience. But uh, you know, uh, all day you run across people. Um, you you go with a group, but then you could be by yourself. You go your own pace, and uh, you might trail along with somebody. Might might be with you a lot of times. But you'll run across everybody in the canyon going across because you're going up and down the same trail. So you run across people all the time. But biggest thing is just to go in there and and uh, get a pace that's comfortable to you and and, and maintain it. Or, uh, you know, you'll pay the price later if you try to keep up with somebody else. And, and there's plenty of people that have done that in the past.
0: Yeah, I've got some more questions about that. Let's take a quick break here. I have known the owners of the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix for over 20 years. They are the authority on optics and hunting gear. Outdoorsman's is the leading designer and manufacturer of high-quality tripods, mounting accessories and pack systems for all hunters their customer service is the best in the business go to outdoorsmans.com or call 1-800-291-8065 and use the j scott promo code to receive 10 percent off any outdoorsman's products gohunt.com insider is by far the most valuable tool a western hunter could give themselves GoHunt.com Insider are the industry leaders and number one source for western hunting for a lot of reasons. GoHunt.com Insider have changed the game for how hunts and hunting information are found. Within a matter of minutes, using filtering 2.0, you'll be able to filter by state, species, residency, odds of drawing a tag, specific hunting dates, and harvest success percentages to find the hunts that fit exactly what you're looking for. If you are a guy that applies across the West or just in your home state but want to find some new opportunity, there's no better way to do it than using GoHunt.com Insider. As an exclusive offer to my listeners, if you sign up for a GoHunt.com Insider membership for $149 a year and use the promo code Scott at checkout, you'll receive a $50 Kuyu gift card. Head on over to GoHunt.com forward slash Insider And get yourself the most valuable membership a hunter could have. Okay, Dave. So you're starting at midnight. You're going in with flashlights. You're kind of all going down as a group. And help me with my math, but you're gonna go. You're gonna go down, cross the river, go up to the other side on the north rim, take a few pictures, come all the way back, and you'll be getting back to the point of origin at roughly what time?
1: Somewhere usually between six six and eight o'clock it's going to be you know depending on how you're feeling most people uh, it's going to be a 16 to 20 hour ordeal to go through there uh you know there's 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 plenty of people that do ultras and stuff like that that do it at, at a much faster time but um, we're more what i consider weekend warriors we do the one big event one one time a year so we don't quite move with the speed of some of them people but we have some people in a group that you know, get down in that 12 hour range and stuff like that. But, um, for the most part, we're about a 16 to 20 hour type group, just kind of normal Joe's out there, you know, doing something, something big, you know, a a lot of these ultra people do multiples of them in a year. You know, we do, we do one a year, just pick a good activity and get in shape for it and do it.
0: What, what do you do as far as prep? Um, how far in advance do you start and, how do you increase your mileage um, to be able to pr- be prepared for the distance of the canyon? Obviously, it's very hard to find a place to prepare for the 22,000 uh, g- gain and drop in elevation. Um, tell me a little bit about your prep and how you kind of ramp into it.
1: Well, we start in January right after the coos deer hunt in Mexico. We hit, start hitting it pretty serious about three or four times a week. And we always go out to the mountains here in the valley. we got some trails we do and, and always off trail because that's what the canyon is. And and we, uh, you know, do verticals and mileage and, you know, start out uh, reasonable and, and work your way up. And we'll get to the point uh, that a month or so before we'll get a couple of 20 milers in. You know, we'll work up to 10s. We'll do 20s and we've done 30s. And we just start increasing that distance on there um, to the point where we yeah. always – do the canyon about the last weekend in april seems to be the best time when the snow melts and you get to the north rim and the weather's pretty nice um, uh, and before it gets hot so we uh we we use the uh four months or so there and and just hit it pretty uh consistently and hard you know as far as uh hikes and we even train, you know, because we start at night. We train a lot of our trainings at night. You know, we don't start till six o'clock at night. Headlamps doing, you know, seven, ten miles, little trail runs and, and verticals up the mountain and just, you know, trying to get everything ready. And, and the nice thing about it is everything transfers over, like to hunting. Um, you know, when we're getting in shape, that works for hunting. Running with a headlamp, navigating at night, all that helps with hunting. You know, I have ulterior motives to most of the stuff I do, and it always leads back to hunting.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, what what kind of diet preparation, um, you know, are you doing as you're preparing for the canyon?
1: Um, definitely, you know, you have to change your normal lifestyle a little bit. Uh, there's a lot of effort in workouts and, you know, good nutrients and food and, you know, cutting out the pops and any of the junk foods and stuff like that and trying to eat, you know, a lot cleaner and, you know, helping your performance you know, it definitely is a big part of it because nutrition and hydration are a huge part in the Canyon, you know, to get you through that long. So it, it all becomes part of the training process also.
0: So are you eating a lot of proteins, um, just, just a lot of whole foods and proteins at, as the, um, training persists and as the, the hike is getting closer?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Much cleaner eating with, with just good foods, fruits, vegetables, meets you know it's it's sticking to the basics on there and um you know it and doing it too while you're working out i mean that's a a part of training people don't realize like running at night when you're running in the canyon navigating at night if you don't if you're not used to that it'll be foreign to you when you go into the canyon with a headlamp so you want to train whatever you're going to do you want to train like one of the favorite sayings is don't do anything on game day that you haven't practiced, so you better have practiced everything. Whether it be eating on the run while you're going, uh, navigating at night with headlamps, so you better become real comfortable to all that. It's, it'll make your experience that much better on there because you are gonna, you know, encounter it in the canyon.
0: Speaking of eating on the run, uh, what do you actually take for food for that 16-hour, 20-hour? Uh, journey. Uh, what do you actually carry on you? Do you stash food? Um, walk me through from start to finish. Um, not only food, but drink. Uh, you know what? What exactly are you using? I'm sure you've you've perfected your um, y- you know what you're taking. I'm curious what it is.
1: Well, yeah. Every, everybody's a little different. We started out, and, and like most things in life, I I don't know them because I'm some you know, college educated, physical person. It, we've gone there and knocked their heads against the wall a few times. And we used to take a lot of food. We used to take a lot of calories, but the human body will only consume so much. So we, we've trimmed it way down. I mean, we're probably taking about 4,000 calories with us. The human body can only take in so much, a lot of electrolyte replacement depending on the heat, you know, when we're doing the Canyon, it takes, uh, you take a lot more electrolytes in, but uh, you know, it's just some plain foods, uh almonds peanuts Um, you know you'll take some stuff like that maybe a little bit of chicken we'll take some hard-boiled eggs but then too, you know you have your you know uh, protein powder we'll do a a drink a couple in there some guys rely totally on that stuff so it just depends on the person you you know you can't rely on somebody else I keep telling people you you have to go out use it try it and see if it works for you what works for you might not work for someone else we can get you close but you need to go out and play with it and see how your body accepts it and, and, and does with it. But uh, yeah, the calories aren't aren't as big a thing as you think they are. Um, it's more hydration. You get a lot of calories through, you know, electrolyte replacement or you can do shakes and uh, you can only eat so much. We used to take four peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Now I only take one and I might eat half of it uh, on there. So, you know, you, you think, you know, like most, things we do, we over prepare or do too much, but yeah, you're right. We've, we've, we've streamed it down to um, being pretty efficient with the food on there. Uh, water's not an issue. There's water stations in the Canyon uh, at, at the right increments where you have a, um, you know, bladder in your pack so you can refill it and, and uh, refill a bottle with electrolytes. So there's, there's different points you can do that. So you don't have to carry water and just carry the, you know, the the amount of food you need and then you can replenish the water. So we're probably going in with about a
0: about a fifteen pound pack. It seems like what it ends up being most guys. And most most of the packs are are they fanny packs or are you wearing you know over the shoulder packs? What what are you what do you guys find works best for you?
1: Yeah, mo- most of the time it's over the shoulder pack. I don't know anybody running a, a fanny pack, but the uh, but you got to get one that's comfortable. Some some of them are a little bigger, some are a little smaller. You know, everybody's different, uh, or what they like, but generally, uh, a, a pack that will hold the bladder in it, usually an 80 or hundred ounce bladder in it. And, um, you know, can hold, uh, you know, your food and depending on the weather, maybe you got an extra pair of gloves, a beanie, you know, you had a little warmer shirt on in the morning, depending on the day, if it's going to be a, you know, rainy, cold, you, you got have to have a little room to maybe take some extra gear, but hopefully not. I mean, you want to be as light as you can.
0: When you go, if if there's a storm on the horizon where you're going to see that it is going to rain or snow or what have you, do you reschedule so that you don't have to take rain gear and any extra weight, um, or do you just go and do it?
1: No, we've we've gone and done it every time we've been in there. Rain, heat, snow—I've I've seen it all in the canyon. Uh, you just have to bring more gear and prepare. You know, and doing it 16 times, it, sometimes it's kind of funny. It adds another little layer of uh excitement uh to the uh adventure on there but uh yeah no we we, we go it's, it's some of the most beautiful times you know we've gone up the north rim there's still snow uh the waterfalls you know start to come and some of the ice melts and the bushes are encapsulated in ice and you can see the bush in it But seen some cool things in there There's some different weather so there's there's uh there's never been a time when we've we've uh we've canceled it you know, even be at heat. Uh, we, one year we started at eight o'clock at night, uh, to get going a little earlier and do most of it in the dark. And, uh, it didn't help out a whole bunch because we had a lot of sleep deprivation and, and that, uh, found out sleep depri- deprivation is probably one of the hardest things to fight through.
0: So you got where you're actually walking, but you're like a walking, you're just out of your mind kind of thing. And yeah, is that what you mean? yeah, just kind of
1: zombie and you start seeing things and, and, uh, you know, it did, it, it plays tricks with your mind, that sleep deprivation. So, but we're kind of adrenaline junkies to do it anyways. Uh, it, it's kind of tough at the time and, 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 but it, you know, looking back on it, it, it's, it's kind of cool to, you know, push your body and test and go through different things and see how far you can push your body. Just like we had someone a few years ago, um, do it. And we were coming and driving back. We got in the car, me and another buddy had done it several times when we got out at the same time. We we're going to drive back to the hotel and I asked him how it went. And he said, pretty good. And and then a minute later he says, I don't think I'm doing this again. And I looked back at him. I said, ain't
0: nobody doing it again right now. You know, give it a, give it a week <laughs> or two. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. What footwear, um, I'm real curious exactly what socks you use, um, what the material is and um what what shoes you wear and if those translate at all into anything you use hunting uh and how do you handle getting your feet prepared and you know if you do get blisters you know what do you just tough it out or what do you do uh with with that i know there's several questions there
1: yeah no it, uh, a lot of good questions the uh feet are you know a huge thing you know that's what's going to get you through so you, you that's what you start in the preparing back in January that's got to be one of your main things is get a pair of shoes that you can wear comfortably that you can put a lot of miles on that treat your feet well and if you find a pair like that buy two or three because you're going to wear one out uh, just preparing for the canyon and have another one ready to go when you're when you go into the canyon so shoes are hugely important uh we're uh, most everybody uh we're run, doing trail trail uh, shoes in you know, some form or fashion. I've tried everyone on the market, you know, once or twice over the years. Um, you know, you're always looking for the next best thing that's, you know, going to make it easy for you. And I can tell you, I've tried every shoe and that's not one of them that's made the canyon easier for me uh, on there. It's it's still a tough ordeal, but, you know, as far as getting your feet through it, the um, I use toad socks. A lot of us have gone to toad socks just because you have like two layers of material between every toe and you don't get your toes rubbing together and forming blisters on there so the toad socks work out really well a lot of guys think they're you know they first try them they're kind of foreign to them we're not used to wearing them but once you get them on you know and wear them you don't notice them a whole bunch
0: on there but is that the brand dave is that the brand toad or is that just what they call no
1: no yeah just a toad sock like a glove there's several different manufacturers of them out there and they're generally you know uh, can get them from cotton to you know the higher um blend of uh you know material on there that uh, you know moisture wicking and stuff i mean there's a whole variety of them out there on there but uh but like i said and what works for me doesn't necessarily work for someone else you know we you try to tell somebody hey i do this and this and they do it and you know and and they might do something similar and they they put their own little twist on it um but um you know, th- there's a few constants that you have to do, but, uh, you know, as far as preference of, of gear, you know, they're going to, they're going to use some type of a trail shoe, whether, whether it's the one you're wearing or a different brand, you know, they're going to be, you just want to be light They're that's all improved trails. So, uh, it's not like you're, you're going through just, you know, back country and no trails. I mean, these are established trails in the grand Canyon. So, uh, you know, the shoes aren't as big a deal as far as like ankle support and that. I mean, they're, it's all improved trails. So it's going to be some type of trail shoe that's comfortable to you.
0: What do you specifically wear or what did you wear this last year?
1: I wear uh, a shoe called an Ultra. Uh, it's got a wider shoe box in the front. It's supposed to, you know, splay your toes out and make your foot more natural. And they did really good. I mean, I didn't have an ounce of problem with them. I've, I've tried other shoes before, a lot of different types of shoes and had different ones, you know, give you some hot spots and some. you know, had some blisters and, you know, you got to stop and take care of them. You know, we carry moles, skin and different things because it's just too long of an activity. You, you're going to have to address it at some point or it'll, it'll, it, it could come, become crippling in the Canyon after a while. I've seen some guys hobble out of there before and, uh, it, it, it can be pretty miserable. So as soon as you feel something, you you want to take care of it.
0: Have you had in the sixteen times that you've done it, have you had circumstances or things going on with your body where you've had to have serious gut check time and either you know a couldn't you know you you couldn't finish the job or b you know you thought you were gonna you know thought it was your last time in there? I mean, do you have any stories where um personally? Um, you know, you had to really, really gut check yourself on it, or is it every single time you, you know, you think you want to die type of thing?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't know as far as die. I mean, you definitely push yourself. Uh, you're going to push yourself beyond physically to where you have to mentally go, and, and it's definitely a place for a mentally tough person because uh, you're definitely going to test yourself, and you're going to come to the ends of your limits. So, what you think your limits are, uh, it's amazing how, how much further the human body can push through than the mind and that's that's something you find in the canyon but um yeah of all the times i only one time last year i did not complete i did about 38 of the 47 miles uh my lower back was just bothering me and got so far and said you know what i'm turning around and going back and a lot of people uh get there and they do it one time the first time they want to complete it uh you know they'll suffer through it or you know they they won't be able to do it and, and they'll come back and do it again but I've done it so many times, it didn't bother me. I mean, okay, I couldn't do it this time. Back was bothering me. I turned around, went back, had a nice day, got out, you know, about noon, had a shower, came back, waited for everybody to come out. It was a nice day. But, you know, I know the pressure a lot of people are under, they're in there their first time and they want to complete it. I, I encourage most people to at least just go down to the river and back, down to Phantom Ranch and back in the day. Get a taste of it. See what it's like. You know, see if it's something you want to do, if you want to tackle the whole thing and do it um, you know, that's usually a a better way to do it. And we usually have a pretty good group of people that, you know, are doing a half and that's not a bad way to start.
0: Are you all using trekking poles? Everybody in your group, do they all use some sort of trekking pole? Yes. Yeah. Everybody, everybody has trekking poles on there. You, you, You
1: need them at one, just stabilization sometimes, you know, coming down off that north rim and um, you know, your body gets used to going uphill and then all of a sudden you're going downhill now. And the the, uh, the thing in the Canyon is the, the, it seems like there's so long, so many uphills by the time, you know, you get sick of uphill, then you go downhill, then you get sick of downhill. I mean, there's just so much of it, but the, the poles help tremendously. A lot of the trail is, has that erosion, you know, terracing up it, you know, come up that South rim and you might have a, six inch step up or you might have a 12 inch or you you know it it varies and when you're tired and stuff it's sure nice to incorporate some other muscle mass besides just your legs and be able to pull you up some of those
0: ledges coming up. I know Dar did it one time with you and I'm curious uh, with this next question you know once you've done it and seen what your body can do you know, how does that translate into when you're hunting and you're going to go for a hike, say you're on a coos deer hunt or whatever, sheep hunt, and you look across and, it, you know, you're going up and down and up the other side or something, and it looks pretty pretty crazy. Once you've done, you know, 47, 50 miles, um, do, do those hikes become more routine and, you know, you know that you can do much, much worse than what's in front of you? I'm curious how you how you handle that or how you mentally can go through that.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I, that's one of the reasons the Canyon, I think it gives you perspective. You know, you, we've all had those hunting buddies. You go out there and go, Hey, we're going to go over there and look across that hill. And I go, you're going to go over there. I go, yeah, it only take us an hour and goes, I'm not hiking for an hour to look on the other side of that hill. When you do the Canyon, it's not a big deal. You're in there and you're going 47 miles and, and you, it's taking you 16 to 20 hours to hike an hour over there look on a hill and hike an hour back. It's not a big deal. And and as far as mental and physical, uh, there's, there's just about nothing that won't test you. I mean, there's, there's, there's times it'll test you. I've hunted in Colorado, been above timberline. I mean, the lack of air. Yeah. You're going to be tested, but you know, you can slow down and make a pace. And it's like, you know what? I can go that far. I can, I can haul this gear over there, my tripod, my binoculars, and I'm going to go sit the rest of the day on that hill and glass and and then, you know, some wait till it gets dark and then I'll just come back and, you know, doing the canyon, like say training in the in the dark with headlamps, all that stuff's not foreign anymore because we train and do it all the time anyways, getting ready for the canyon every year for four months out of the year. When we get in a hunting situation, it makes it that much easier. It's not a big deal uh, going where I've been with guys and they're like, I'm not going over there, you know, like you won't be back till after dark. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. You know, it doesn't matter to me because my perspective is a lot different. I, I I pushed myself and and done it to where it,
0: it doesn't really matter. Yeah, for sure. Let's take another quick break here to hear from our sponsors. Have you guys heard about PhoneScope? PhoneScope is a privately held company that makes custom molded, precisely engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Photographing wildlife has never been easier. Take digiscoping photos and videos from your smartphone and share them with your friends. Phonescope stands behind their product with a 100% money-back guarantee. Phonescope is the future of digiscoping. Get yours now. Use the J. Scott 16 promo code and receive 10% discount on all purchases. Check them out at Phonescope, that's P-H-O-N-E-S-K-O-P-E dot com, or on Instagram, at Phonescope. Wilderness Athlete is committed to improving the health and quality of life for the outdoor athlete by providing field-tested, scientifically validated nutrition and sports performance products. Check them out at wildernessathlete.com and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any order. Dave, another thing that you've um, gotten into over the years is long-range shooting and I know that you've done that Vortex, I believe it's the Vortex shoot in Utah. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, uh, are you going to do it this year? Can you tell my listeners a little bit about the shoot and how, uh, how it, what the format is and how you and your partner, uh, your shooting partner, prepare for that um, shoot?
1: Yeah, the Vortex Extreme, they call oh. it, it's Uh, they do it up in in Utah. They have a shooting range up there that they can do it in uh, because it's over, it's like seven and a half miles. Uh, At one point you claim like a thousand feet over a mountain and you have to have all the gear, rifle, bullets, any, you know, shooting age, you get, get, everything has to be on your back. And uh, you know, it started about five years ago. We've done it every year, but I think it's like, I think this is our fifth year, fifth or sixth year, and uh it's just another just like the canyon it's another thing to prepare you for hunting it makes you you know really think about shooting and the aspects of it and knowing your weapon and ballistics and you know understanding everything where you can be you know a decent shot you know have a, a good opportunity at at uh, taking an animal when you've practiced those distances and far further than that you know we you know they we engage targets you know on the competition up to like 1200 yards on there and I you know I've never come close to that you know on an animal on there but uh but yeah no it it teaches you um you know inside and out knowing your rifle a lot of things in life when you when you do it in a competition format it makes you that much better it makes you rise up a little bit so you know the rifle uh, aspect of the hunting is is a non-issue and when we go hunting now and, and and we see an animal it's just finding them making the shot or you know is 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 very little of it because generally a four or yard shot is 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 not an unmakeable shot when you know you're practicing out to a 1, thousand twelve hundred yards and and knowing your weapon that makes those re, you know reasonably uh you know, far shots would be hunting wise, you know, five, 600 yard shot. But the thing is too, is that it's just a skill. I wanted to, learn, you know, have a skill of hunting and a lot of guys and the kind of talk around is, you know, some guys will get a shot and they'll want to back up and say, well, I want to make it a thousand yard. It's not that for me at all. The, the aspect of shooting long range is just to make me more proficient at my shooting. And like I said to you and other people before, whether I can sneak up behind something with a knife or if I can shoot it from 1,000 yards, I want to have all the skills so when the situation dictates, I can take advantage of that situation. It doesn't mean I have to shoot every one of my animals at 1,000 yards. Like, I was lucky enough to draw a bighorn sheep tag in Arizona, and I had a pretty good ram uh, at, like, 500 yards, and, and I could have shot him from there, no problem, but I could get closer. I got to 240 yards, and then, and then I took the shot. And it's just, uh, I think it's a little hunter responsibility to be able to, you know, give that animal as much respect as you can to, to, to make the very best shot and and stalk and opportunity out of it that you can.
0: Well, certainly, too, um, the ability to get closer and have a a, a good field of view of, of where the, you know, your target is. And if you needed to make a follow-up shot, um, you know, you moved up to a higher location where you were more level with the ram. And, um, you know, if you would have shot at 500, let's say you maybe didn't make a good shot or you might have missed, um, you know, it's definitely easier when you have a, a bigger field of view and, and kind of, you know, maybe on a level playing, uh with the animal uh, for sure, where if he were to move left, right, up or down, you'd you'd be able to, you know, take additional shots if necessary. And I think that's important. I'm curious what rifle that you use, um, for the, for this shoot. And, um, is that your hunting rifle? Uh, tell me a little bit about the bullets that you shoot. Um, I, I assume you reload, uh, all your own stuff. What grain bullet kind of, kind of give me your program on what you're shooting there.
1: The, yeah, we take the guns we hunt with because I do this to be a better hunter. And a lot of guys, um, take some pretty hot rotted guns up there they the, the only limitation they have is you can 't shoot a a fifty caliber, but you can shoot anything else up there and a lot of guys bring you know some stuff that wouldn 't be too practical single shot type stuff that wouldn 't be too practical hunting uh, but we take our hunting rifles because that 's why i 'm there to be a better hunter and The first couple of years I shot a seven s t w rifle and then I had a, a two sixty four Winchester made, which is a shoots a six point five millimeter bullet. And then right now I got, uh, uh my guy making me a 30 nozzler, which hopefully will be done here in the next week or so. And I can get that all tuned up and take it up to the shoot. But, uh, the, um, the equipment, the bullets, everything we use, I use at the shoot is exactly how I hunt because I want to practice to be a better hunter and, and I could do some other things and, and, uh, you know, maybe have more an advantage at the shoot, but I, you know, I do it for hunting purposes.
0: Are you using, uh, what, what kind of scope are you using a Swarovski or a night force or what scope are you using and do you use a ballistic reticle or are you using a turret?
1: Um, you know, in, in shooting, you evolve in different things. You start out a certain way and then you, uh, you evolve into other things. Uh, I started out at my night force, uh, scope as far as the dial-up scope was my first dial-up was a night force uh, before they had zero stop on there so you to you know learn and know where you were and stuff and then my f- second one was a and was a night force also but it had zero stop now and on this new one I'm putting the new uh, uh their x5 on there their their uh, five and a half to 25 um, scope on there uh, just seems to be really really clear and and a lot of good features, and I guess they went to, into about six or seven years of development into that scope, and it, it's a pretty nice scope. So I'm going to give that one a try. So, I mean, it's all quality stuff, I mean, night force, durability, quality. And if you're shooting those longer distances, you know, with, with, with clarity, reliability, repeatability, when you dial it up, does the scope go back to zero every time? Can you, can you dial it up and make the same shot every time? So we found that night forces work good. I've had a few Siroskis before. I haven't had a dial-up, so we're going to find out on it. But I, I have complete confidence that Siroski's are probably going to do everything I wanted it to do.
0: That's great. And uh, bullet, what bullet are you shooting? Um, what have you been shooting?
1: I've been shooting the um, Acubons. In my 6.5, I've been shooting the uh, Lapua Sonars. Uh, it's more of a target bullet. I had shot three or four whitetail with it, and it's done a good job. On there. Uh, It's more of a target bullet. Um, They have a new bullet. Hornaday has an ELDX bullet out on the market that appears to be a really good bullet. High BCs, ballistic coefficients, and and very accurate bullet. I heard nothing but good reports on it. So, this new 30 NOSLER, I'm going to work up some loads with uh, the new ELDX bullets. And they're a hunting bullet. Uh, A lot of these bullets, the problem, they might shoot good at a tournament and stuff like that. But just like the Sonars, they're made for a target. They don't, a hunting bullet's a hunting bullet. They, they build them for controlled expansion and, and, uh, things like that. So I, I try to use the hunting bullets. My seven, I use a, a 160 grain Accubond um, in the tournament and hunting, same thing. I use the same bullet. I don't use a different load and that's why in that my six, five, I'm, I'm going to the horn a day. I have some 143 grainers. I'm going to load up and, and, uh, work up a load for that six, five. Cause I like the Sonars. They shoot really good, but they're more of a target bullet, and I want to be more into a a hunting bullet on there when I uh, use that rifle.
0: With the long range practice and all the shooting that you've done, what have you learned about shooting in the wind and shooting, you know, up and downhill that you could pass on to the listeners? Maybe a few tips of of you know to maybe um, shorten their learning curve just a little bit on on you know shooting shooting long distance, uh, with the wind, trying to dope the wind and such. What have you learned?
1: Well, that's the biggest thing. Everybody, uh, I think last year there was 56 teams in that vortex shoot. And I guarantee you every one of those guys comes with an accurate rifle. They perfected their loads. They've sat down on benches. They can punch paper. I mean, you can, you can take a rifle to that stage, you know, with enough time and and energy, everybody can get there. What wins that tournament shooting across canyons sometimes double canyons is dope in the wind and in any rifle con- long distance rifle competition it's dope in the wind and you know it, re- it relates right into the hunting field too because most times we're shooting across canyons and the wind becomes the biggest thing and it's like anything you've got to you've have to go out and practice it there's other things you can go online you can look there's um you know you can get gauges we have gauges we can gauge the wind but you're gauging the wind where you're at, not necessarily where the animal's standing. So you have to be able to learn how to read, you know, grass and trees and you know uh, different uh, things over there that are going to tell you how the wind's blowing over there. It might be going left to right where you are, and right to left over there. And like anything, you have to practice it. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna go swimming, you got to get wet. And like when we practice for that shoot, we might go up and. Um, lay out targets out to a thousand yards and we'll shoot them just to verify our guns and everything. And it'll be calm. And then we'll just wait. We're, we're waiting for the wind. It's it's useless for us to practice, uh, in calm conditions anymore. We're waiting for the wind. We want to practice in the wind. We want to judge it, tell each other, you know, because you work as a team. So do you want your teammate to be able to tell you, you know, how many minutes you need to adjust for left or right. How's the wind doing, you know, reading mirage, you know, there's a lot of different things you can do, to read the wind. But the biggest thing is you, you need to go out and practice in the wind.
0: So in other words, spending time out, just doing it is going to help you more than reading a book, watching a YouTube video or, you know, going to a, you know, you can have a lot of book knowledge, but what I hear you saying is you actually need to go out in different situations and see what that particular gun, that particular load uh how it performs in each situation because everything's different is that what you're saying yes correct yeah
1: it's you you know you definitely want to become familiar with whatever you're going to do as far as finding different methods researching them and then going putting them in use in the field too many guys you know you hear these days you know spend a lot of money by a high dollar rifle and say hey this is a thousand yard rifle well they've never shot a thousand yards It might be a thousand yard rifle of somebody else, but it's not to you because you've never shot that far. And if you're going to give the animal the respect, and you're going to take a seven or eight hundred yard shot, in my mind, you better have taken a seven or eight hundred yard shot in practice and know exactly what your gun does, and know how to shoot it, and know how to dope the wind. Or you know, it's just it's not the ethical thing to do, just to lob bullets out there and say, hey, hey, I'm going to hit that animal and it's, it's fun. We love to hunt. We go hunting Practice is, is is fun too. I have as much fun shooting steel as just about anything else. It's just, it's, it's fun to do and, and, and you know, it's just making you better.
0: For the listeners out there that maybe aren't this experience, give kind of a rough example If you know, you say you're shooting at, you know, 800 to a thousand yards and let's, you know, say you have a crosswind, um, you know, tell somebody out there a minute of angle or you know 10 feet or whatever it might be what have you seen um in those situations uh to to give someone out there that's uh maybe not as experienced i mean how much can the wind blow that bullet as far as what have you seen as far as dramatic um uh you know holdovers and stuff yeah
1: the uh a minute of angle to to define it is roughly it's a little it's a little bit different but we use it as a as a uh, go-to figure is is a one inch increment one minute of angle one moa at 100 yards is one inch at 200 yards is 200 inches at 300 yards is three inches and so on and some of the wind doping especially like a, shooting those uh further 800 a thousand yard targets out there uh you know sometimes we'll put as much as you know three four five minutes of angle and you figure five minutes of angle at 800 yards well it's five times eight on there so you're looking at 40 inches of movement and if you're putting it on the front shoulder of an animal you've clean missed him that wind has blown you if there's that much adjustment needed to make the shot then you you you've missed it or you've made a bad shot you you've, you've, you've got shot him an elk or you shot him in the in the in the back end instead of the front end so it makes a huge difference I mean you should always uh adjust for some type of wind. There's always some wind when you're out and you're shooting canyons. there's some type of wind to adjust for out there
0: and Dave, when you talk about those situations that we face all the time hunting coos deer with a double canyon situation where you may have wind that that is you know blowing left or right on you know right you know from from zero to 250 yards and then it goes over a little rise and it hits another Canyon and, and, and from say 300 to 600 yards, the wind may be blowing what, you know, from a hunting situation, if you have multiple wind currents, um, would you tell someone just to get closer, you know, get inside of, you know, 300 yards and, and, or how do you calculate and try and, dope the wind for it moving one way and then having it move the other
1: well that's the thing it's it's like you said i mean always get as close as you possibly can um dope in the wind the problem with doping the wind it's a constant a moving fluid situation you could you could judge the wind you know be sitting up look at your chart look at your wind meter judge the wind lay down get ready to take the shot And the wind changed. Your whole situation changed. Your two or three or four minutes angle, whatever you calculated, put into that shot just changed because the wind just died. You know, so it's a constant moving situation. That's why I say practice because you learn how to read those situations. Okay, okay, I gave it four minutes. It's died down. It's a lot less. I'm going to knock off half of that. I'm going to make a two minute of angle shot. And it's hard to make those judgments in the field when you haven't practiced those. So definitely wind is is a is a practicing thing it's a definite mathematical figure but the problem is is the wind is always gusting and up and down and and it's always changing And, and that's where the finesse comes into it as far as being able to read that wind and knowing what your top wind speed is and this is an ultimate calculation but it's died down and you're going to be a lot closer you know to the impact point when you are able to read that wind and incorporate that into your shot because otherwise some guys you know aim to miss on the first shot kind of like I'm just going to shoot and tell me where it hits well you're aiming to miss in the first shot our goal is to aim to kill them on the first shot and if if something doesn't happen right then we adjust from there but if we've already done our best to calculate it our margin of error is going to be a lot smaller than just taking a shot and saying, okay, where did I hit? Um, that, you know, it's really not the way to go.
0: Makes total sense. Let's take another quick break here. Utah Hydrographics is in the Water Transfer Printing Service and they are open to whatever you can dream up. Choose from a wide range of camo patterns, designs, and colors. Whether it's guns, bows, tools, rifle stocks, vehicles, steering wheels, fenders, dashboards, paint guns, fishing rods, cups, tripods, watches, knife grips, helmets for a local sports team or for your motorcycle, picture frames, mailbox, animal skulls, you name it they can probably do it. Utah Hydrographics loves taking things that are general looking and turns them into something that looks fantastic and eye-popping. Give them a call and see what they can do for you and receive up to a 10% discount by using the J. Scott 16 promo code. Visit them at utahhydrographics.com or on Instagram at utahhydrographics. Whether you are interested in elk, deer, Antelope, Bighorn Sheep, or Moose, Western Hunter, and Elk Hunter magazines will bring the adventure to your mailbox. These publications feature articles on the finest hunting gear, tips and tactics from experienced hunters, field judging trophies, glassing techniques, calling strategies, and much more. To become a more knowledgeable and skilled hunter, subscribe today. Go to westernhunter.net forward slash jscott and enter your email address for a chance to win a $1,500 credit towards any Swarovski product. So Dave, another thing that we have in common is we love to hunt coos deer and we love to hunt them in Mexico. Uh, My question to you would be, I get the question all the time, but I want to ask you the question. uh, What makes hunting in Mexico for coos deer so special to you?
1: Um, I think the biggest thing about Mexico is probably the old school. You're going down there, you're you're on a ranch. Uh, generally, self co- coverage is pretty slim. Guys aren't going back to their truck, checking their email, and all that stuff. You're down there, you're with some buddies, and you're just hunting. And all you got to you know, all you got to worry about is is hunting sleeping and eating i mean there's nothing else i mean that you cut the rest of the world out on there and i think that's the biggest draw of mexico it kind of gets back to what hunting probably was here in the united states you know 30 40 years ago before the uh invention of the cell phone and all the communication where you'd go up and you know you wouldn't see somebody till a week later and sad to say in mexico the communication is getting a lot better we can we we'll all use our cell phones down there now in, in certain places, but it's still, it's still a little tough. But I think that I think the biggest thing is being able to just go down there and, and, uh, kind of go back to the way it used to
0: be. Yeah. We call it eat, sleep and kill. And it, you know, it it's one of those things that if you haven't experienced it, you know, I highly encourage people to do that where, you know, you're constantly strategizing as to, you know, and I know Dave, you're a lot like Dar and I, and, Constantly strategizing which point to go up, where will that buck be, where can I see him from, what can I see from that point, you know, the, the, the strategy aspect of it. Um, love going to these ranches and locking these gates and then just having the whole place to just try and figure out where can you find bucks for, you know, you and your buddies, uh, you know, and in our case, our clients and, um, you know, coos deer themselves, uh, they're a very special animal. Uh, what makes in your mind, what makes coos deer a special animal to you?
1: Uh, coos deer, I, I gotta say is probably my passion. Uh, you know, I enjoy hunting on a lot of other things. Um, you know, the elk, the mule deer, uh, you know, whatever it may be. I always said, if there was a season for Bowie Knife, I'd put in for that too. But, uh, but but whitetail are at the top of the list. Uh, they're just a little cagier creature. They live in a, in a little uh, tougher uh, terrain than a lot of animals. They're living in cactus stickery, thick, steep canyons. Um, takes a little bit to you know get into some of that country and find them it must be just the the challenge of that of that animal because they're not a big animal at all um but they're just a cagey wily you know type animal and and just figuring them out and uh you know going into that terrain and and you know pushing yourself to to uh you know cover and, and look at and and cover as much terrain as you can
0: yeah and i think um you know from from you know, hiking the canyon and doing the long range shooting, um, and doing the glassing and hiking up big, tall knobs and kind of the sense of adventure of it for me, um, as, as I know it is for you, um, it kind of brings all that together where you bring, you know, a a, a physical aspect to it, you know, you bring a tactical aspect to it and then, then you've got an animal that, you know when you do get them on the ground they're just incredible animals uh very very pretty uh pretty animals as far as their face and all the features and you know they're they're small in 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 body size but uh very very crafty um you know they are they we we laugh that you know they can sometimes you know dig a tunnel and and go underground um and i i think they're a lot different than a lot of other animals um you know i think the mule deer uh you know big bucks on the arizona strip that you know get hunted and you know are crafty have that same aspect but the size of the coos deer um adds a whole nother dimension of you know trying to shoot long range and hit a much smaller target um so from that aspect that's 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 one reason why i like them as well um you went down, you and Reed, your friend Reed went down with us uh, last uh, February after hunting season, and we went and looked at a bunch of ranches, and we had a great time, and and, um, we found a ranch that you guys are going to hunt this year. Um, What are you looking forward to on that particular ranch? Um, and, And I'm just curious of your thoughts of what you saw and kind of what you're anticipating and and uh, you know w- what you're thinking about going into the next January season when they're running.
1: Well, I think it's going to be a great ranch. Uh, we've seen the numbers. I mean, there's there's quite a bit of sign, quite a bit of deer. But the neat thing, and I think the biggest thing for a coos deer hunter hunter is to get to a place uh, that hasn't been hunted too much. The unknown. I think the unknown is the uh, the biggest draw on there. This branch uh, has been very little uh hunted uh, great numbers to it so uh and it's got great terrain on it so it's it it, it leads to there's probably going to be some good bucks on that ranch but the neat thing about it is and I've hunted down in Mexico for 15 years you never know till we get down there in January and get in the rut and find out what's there we don't truly know what's there we've we got expectations of what we think's there uh, but we don't know until we hunt that ranch and and that's kind of exciting just to go to a new place you know whether whether we kill some monsters or whatever it's going to be fun
0: yeah i think that's what i like about it too is from an adventure aspect i mean i we always say that until you go hunt it for a good seven days um and you know i always say until you go hunt it in the rut for a good seven days you really never know what you have i mean we can go scout them and you know, February, March, we can go back and, you know, we went, we, we had the uh, fortune of going back during Turkey season and you guys drove all around and, you know, identified points and glass and areas and such. But I mean, you can see some deer and, and what have you, but I mean, until you really go in January in the rut, you know, for that week or two weeks or however long you're going to go, you know, it's anybody's guess really, um, as to what you really have, Um, But, you know, usually after a week or or 10 days, you have a pretty good feel for, you know, if it's a quality ranch um, or not.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you got to be down there at the right time, especially in Mexico. It's so it's so far away. Uh, It doesn't lend for the uh, ability like we do here in Arizona where guys will, you know, put cameras up year round and, you know, run 10, 20 different cameras in an area. Um, You could do that, that, that that down there also but we we don't do that and maybe by purpose too I,
0: I I like the aspect of going down and let's just see what's there
1: instead of yeah you know running a bunch of cameras
0: you know I I think that's the adventure aspect of it of just having no idea what's there and just go hunting and mm-hmm. you, you know I think in this day and age with our trail cameras you know I go back and forth whether I like them or don't like them and it's you know yeah, to, to maybe hone in on a particular buck and know that the buck's there. But I, the thing I really like about Mexico is it's a hunt. It, it's you, you don't know. You're going to go up to the glassing point in the dark, and it's going to get light, and you're going to see what's there. And you're going to mm-hmm. do that day in and day out. And, you know, some ranches are better than others. You know, some bucks are better than others. And, and um, you know, I love that aspect of let's just go hunt it. You know, let's mm-hmm. let's not... Make it a deal where you hike up on the point and you say, I know that buck's going to step out. You just sit here and wait and, you know, you're going to shoot him. I love just going and saying, well, I've never been to this point that we're going to. I can't wait to get up there. Let's go see what it looks like and and go look off the other side and see what it looks like there. And, you know, I I would encourage the listeners to, if if their hunting has become so routine that, you know, maybe go in some new country and just say, I'm just going to go. We're going to go see what happens. Um, You know, go shake it out and go hunt it for a few days and and see what's there. And, you know, that's what keeps me energized is looking at new country. I mean, we've hunted a lot of ranches in Mexico and I love hunting new properties and uh, getting to know properties and, you know, pounding out the country and seeing, you know, seeing all the different uh, things because, you know, usually it takes you a week to get around a property and know you know, like, okay, this point's good, that one's not good, okay, this one's good for cross-glassing, you know, your buddy's on one, you're on the other, and um, all of that strategy and tactics part of of those cooster hunts are what, what I really enjoy, um, for sure. Well, Dave, it's been awesome having you on uh, this episode, and uh, I encourage anyone that's listening in the uh, Phoenix metro area, um, if they need any A.C., Uh, or heat work. Uh, Dave is your man, and uh, Dave, I want to give you a chance to uh, let people know where they can get a hold of you if they do need some AC or heat work.
1: Well, the best way is probably just to give a call. We've got an office phone number at 480-649-5449, and that's probably the best way. Uh, When when cooling is needed, uh, they want immediate attention, so uh, the phone is probably the best way to get something going real quick.
0: That sounds good, and I look forward to uh, doing some sheep hunting with you this fall, and and uh, hanging out. And uh, it's always great and a pleasure talking to you. Wish you wish you the best uh, in your shooting tournament uh, here in a month or so, a couple months, and hope you guys uh, fare well and enjoy yourself up there. Thanks, Jay. All right, buddy. Take care. God bless.